Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Thanks for taking part of your weekend to be with us here at The Grove. I'm fired up because we're in a series called Greater. In the first couple weeks of the series, we're kind of tough because we dealt a lot in truth. And the root of the start of the series, man, I didn't think it was this much, but I guess it is. The root of this series is John 3.30, which means he must become more and I must become less. And so anytime you're going to have more Jesus in your life, more God, it's going to take less of you. And human nature doesn't want us to do that. Like we don't want to essentially give in to what God wants for us because we think that we like to be in the driver's seat and, and it is what it is. And so we're in a greater series today. We're talking about a greater faith. How many of you guys know that you could believe a little bit better? We could believe more. Okay, we're talking about that today. And so, you know, sometimes I struggle with these message titles, and sometimes they're kind of boring, but I don't know how else to tell you what we're going to talk about, except just to tell you what we're going to talk about. So if you want it, you're coming, and you're here, and if you're online, thank you. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so we gather because we believe that we have to get real before we can get better. Getting better doesn't happen without getting first real with ourselves, and that's honesty. It's a big value of ours. Hospitality is another value of ours. And honor, 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 honor. If we'll honor one another. Man, that goes a long way, right? And so if you're with us today and you're partnering with us financially, there's a couple of ways that you can give. Heather talked about dropping your tithe and that offering envelope. Today is actually a one-year anniversary of being in this building, which is amazing. And so uh, backstory, there was a pastor, the founding pastor of, which was then the Wesleyan Church of Fort Collins, uh, who shifted to a DBA as The Grove. And so we are The Grove. Uh, she led for nine years. They were set up teardown for the longest time into their 10th year. And then the church transitioned and changed hands for just about 10 months to an amazing guy who still teaches here. His name is Robert Emmett. He's an amazing guy, uh, the most humble man I've ever met. And then it transitioned to me. And so Pastor Robert got us here. And with the support and the ties from people who give online, we're able to be here today. And then, yeah. And then from, from that comes... Uh, the, re the relationships that I have, which is why you have a brand new building. And so it's amazing. And so I am actually the third leader here in the last year, which, which can be a lot. But God's greater than all the stuff that I stepped into, and he's got you here for a purpose today. And so if you're giving this scripture that we stand on, this month is Malachi 3.10, where God just says, essentially, test me in this. Bring, your, bring the first to me and test me, and see if I don't produce something in you and in your house, and see if I don't open avenues and channels of blessing that caused you to over, overflow. I will bring more than you can comprehend. And a little bitty story on that is the truck that I drive. And will you put that scripture slide up? Sorry, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe, test me, this God says. And so, so as a young baby, ignorant Christian, I used to walk the, the lot at the Ford of Tulsa and I would walk that lot and I would believe that I would be driving a white Ford, four-door, four-wheel drive F-150. I don't know if you see what I drive, but I drive a white Ford four-wheel drive F-150. And I believed as a 20-year-old that I'd be driving that in 10 years. And, and to be honest with you, I forgot. I forgot really what I was believing in. But the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. And so I always did. Somebody get a new truck. That's amazing. Love your truck. It's awesome. It's so great. That is so great. Good for you, man. Good for you. And I would say from the time that I was in love with that idea to the time it actually happened, I might have walked the Ford of Tulsa a lot 
less than 20 times. I would always go on Sunday so nobody would bother me, and I would just walk around these trucks and believe, man, I'm going to drive this truck. And about 12 years later, um, I'd forgot, but I was still rejoicing. I got a call from my executive pastor at the church I was at that time, and, um, and he said, Dusty, I need to see you, which in my mind meant, oh, crap, what did I do wrong, Right? And so everything I've ever done at the church for over the last, I don't know, 12 years went through my head. And, he, and I go in and he goes, hey, I've got somebody here. They say they're supposed to buy you a truck. And I said, nah. Nah, because I don't need anybody buying their way into favor with me or me having to owe somebody a favor. And so, so hey, tell them great, pastor, and I really appreciate that, but I can't do it. And he said, no, I don't think you understand. He says he, he knows that it's white. He just needs to confirm that it's a Ford. And I was like, say what? And so he said, so go talk to your wife, pray, think about it, and let me know what you want to do. And so I do. And a month later, I went to the Ford of Tulsa lot that had changed hands now in the same exact area. I walked out to a truck that had been paid for with cash, and I walked into a white Ford four-door F-150 that I had believed for for 12 years because of this. When you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there will be food in my house. You will get fed when you come here. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the floodgates. So in a $56,000 truck, I paid, I actually paid 110 bucks. I paid for the seat mat, the, the floor mats that go in there. And so that's what God says when he says, test me in this. And so then you better believe it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for those who give, for those who sacrificially give, for the people who sowed seed, planted seed for us to be in this place today, one year ago. Thank you, Lord, for our past. Lord, thank you that it doesn't define us. Lord, that it's about where we're going and where you've called us to go. And so I thank you for blessing people and houses today. I thank you for opening our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear today. I love you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Streaming on five platforms today. So wherever in the country you're joining us from, let's go. Let's go. And so we believe that Jesus is the way to resurrection life. This is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so then we believe that. Resurrection life means we're restored to the Father, restored to the Father. And so then, if you don't know, have any backstory, God created the earth. He said it was good. He put Adam and Eve here. They messed it up. He sent Jesus to restore us to him. Is everybody with me so far? He lived a perfect life for 33 years. He spent three and a half years. We're jumping into a greater faith right now. We've spent three and a half years uh, with his disciples, with 12 people who he walked really closely with. Now, he spent this 12 years in person. These guys were walking together, okay? And toward the end of his time here, numerous times, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to hang on a cross. I'm going to be crucified, but I will raise again. And every time he told them, they're like, what? No, no, that can't be true. Now, he did say, I will rise again. So today we celebrate resurrection life. That's all we know. These guys didn't know that. All they knew was the time that they actually walked with Jesus, right? And so then... After three and a half years here on earth, what he said would happen would happen. And when he, when he rose again, what we find is the disciples didn't believe it. And you say, well, yes, they did, right? And the reality is, is, is they didn't. If, if he was here for 33 years and he spent three and a half years with people, with disciples, and you saw everything that he did, how come when he rose again, on the third day, why didn't he just throw us the peace sign? Why didn't he just throw us the deuce on the way? Be like, hey, told you so. All right, I'll see you all on the other side. Why didn't he do that? But instead, he stayed for 40 years. Or sorry, 40 days, not 40 years. He stayed for 40 days. 
right? Now, Jesus told them this would happen. And I want to remind you today, the same thing we're talking about, a greater faith. He stayed for 40 days to teach them how to believe. The same thing that we have to do today. He rose and stayed to teach them to believe instead of rising and going. And so he said, no, they already believed. And, and, and here's the thing. If God says that he will do it, he will do it. And nobody knew that better than the ones who followed him, right? In Detroit, there's this, they have these t-shirts that says, won't he do it? And when they say that, if I were to walk into anywhere in Detroit proper and say, won't he do it? Somebody would yell back at me, yes, he will. Okay. And it's kind of a fun little, won't he do it? Yes, he will. And you could do that anywhere you want. It's almost like going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and going to Publix at two in the morning and yelling, roll tide. You're going to get some roll tides back from a plethora of people. I love that about culture. That should be the same in Christian faith though. Should be the same with us. And so then you would think with what the disciples experienced with Jesus, what they saw that they would believe. Everybody agree? Here's what it says in Mark 16, nine through 11. Now Jesus having risen from death early on the first day of the week appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported it to those who had been with him. That's the disciples, okay? While they were mourning and weeping, which is kind of hard to hear, right? When they heard that he was alive and had been saved, what's that underlying part say? They did not believe. When they'd heard this, he told them, they walked, he was with them, and it says, they did not believe. Dang, dang. Again, I'm going to, be, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be crucified, but I will beat death. You've seen me raise Lazarus. You've seen me raise the boy. You've seen me heal the girl. Hello. I will beat death and I will rise again. Is what he says. It's what he says. And so then you would think if they had seen that and he said that, that one, he's going to do it and that they would believe, right? But where were they at on the third day? Were there 11 guys outside the tomb on the third day going, he said on the third day he was coming? No. It was empty, and it was desolate, and there was nobody there. There's nobody there. And don't you think the man that performed every miracle, if he said, hey, meet me here in three days, you'd be like, yeah, yes, boss, right? I'm there. And so then why not? They did not believe. So let's go to the next two verses in Mark 12 and 13. It says this, after that, he appeared in a different form to two other believers who were walking along the road or on the way to the country, and they returned to Jerusalem and told the others, the others here being the disciples. And it says this, but they did not believe them either. He came, they still don't believe. He came to stay for 40 days so that they would believe, so that they would believe. So greater faith starting with, starts with believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh. Earlier in chapter 9, a man brings his son to Jesus. And he says, he says, if, if you'll do something, if you will just act, I know my son will be healed. If you can do anything to help my son, please, please do it. To which Jesus responds, if you believe, I can do anything. And the man says, if it's not a problem for me, sir, I believe. If it's not a problem for me, sir, I believe. And the boy was healed. And you see in verse 23 and 24, Jesus said to him, you say to me, if you can. 
question mark. All things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me, who believes and trusts in me. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out with a desperate, piercing cry saying, faith's not an issue, sir. I do believe. I do believe. And here's where we are today. But help me in my unbelief. But please help me overcome my unbelief when I get in the way. Help me. And the boys was healed. And Jesus does this because he's God in the flesh. Now, the first step if you're taking notes to greater faith is believe enough to let the gospel change your life. I must believe enough to let this change my life. You see scriptures on the screen, but it's in the Bible. And most of it's in the red words, right? So the first step to greater faith is believing enough to let it change your life. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Please help me in my unbelief. That man's unbelief was changed forever that day. You agree? It happened. He saw it. And that's the thing that we wrestle with today is, is well, was that? Well, it was a coincidence. You know, and then our friends always say, what a coincidence. Well, good for you. You know, that, that happened. And the reality is we could all say what we said to start. I could believe a little bit more. Help me, Lord, in my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. And how we believe is found in the action step that Jesus gives his disciples this day. As soon as this miracle happens in Mark 9, 23, they come in, they say, hey, how come we couldn't do that? How did you do that? And we, we couldn't do that. And he said, it takes action. He said, it takes action. And, and the specific action he was talking about was prayer and fasting, which is another sermon for another day. So then we must put faith to our action. We're easing into step two now, okay? Putting action to our faith because the Bible tells us faith without works, faith without action is dead. It's dead. And so then you don't get more faith from sitting around. You get more faith from engaging with God, right? It's an active relationship. You don't need more faith because you do nothing. You, need more, you, you don't need more faith because you do a lot. You need more faith because you do nothing with the Lord. And so then it's an active relationship. Let's gain just a little bit of clarity on faith without action is unfruitful. You're going to see this in James 21 through 24. This is the message translation. This is the best translation of this scripture that I've ever seen. And so if you like the message translation, you can find it on Version or Bible Hub. Bible Hub is a great website to find every version of the scripture that you like. And so here's what is being said. Wasn't our ancestor Abraham, who we're a result of this, okay, made right by or with the works by God. When he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar, so God asked Ask Abraham, hey, give me your son. If you, if you believe, give me your son. And really God was testing Abraham's obedience, not the fact that he wanted him to kill his son, okay? So just understand this is an act of obedience. And so isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith. Everybody say faith. faith. They're works of faith. And so then notice they're not works of the law, Right? Works of faith means we are salt and light, like the salt shaker and the flashlight that shine on your face the other day. That means letting our relationship with God be seen so you can see it in us, right? It means we take what we learn here and we let it overflow in the streets. We take what we learn here as we gather as a body of believers and we let it overflow out there, right? And so then we don't gather as insiders to stay and keep. We gather as believers to go and share, Everybody's with me? Yeah. Seeing some head nods. I'm really liking it, okay? Let's go back to James. The next, two, the next two verses in there says, the full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God. If you want to underline, you can say set right with God and was set right with God includes his action. It's that 
weave of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by barren faith, faith without works is dead, but by faith with fruitful works or fruitful in works? When you go back and you see that he was set right with God by his action, being right with God is called righteous and nugget for you today. Not that we want to go super deep, but the Greek word, um, the Greek word, I don't want to mess this up. The Greek word righteous translates to obedience, obedience. And so then we have to be willing to follow. So then here's the issue that we, fa- that we fight or we face. Your will, your personal will is embodied in your actions. We see your will. I see your will. People in your circle see your will every single day by what you do. And so then what is your will when it comes to your belief? How much of people, or if you're a three, is that what people see in your belief as a three? And they would say, where do you go to church? And you would tell them where, and they would say, wow, they believe that there? Never going, right? Whoopsies. I mean, whoopies, okay? And so then, where is your will to obey when it comes to your belief? What James 2 is saying is true faith is works. True faith is works. And as men, as a guy, I got caught up in this, okay? True faith does something. It's an action. It's a verb. It's a verb. Now, here's, here's, what, here's what guys would like to say. Well, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? And that stinks. Because if you do to do, you're just doing to do. It's disconnected from your heart. And that fruit isn't fruit from God. That's fruit from you. Does that make sense? And so then, with great faith, what you do happens because of who you are, not an agenda that you're working. With great faith, what you do happens because of who you are as a follower of Jesus. Not because... The Bible said back in, you know, Deuteronomy that I should do this, this, and this. That's not it. That's not it. So then you have to, um, so then you can be who you are and works are going to happen because of the relationship you have, because of the character that's been built in you, because of the relationship that you have, the belief that you have in Jesus. And James 2 relays to us that faith expresses itself in our walk, its movement, its action. And so then we don't gain movement or momentum by sitting still. We must go. And that's why the Great Commission is all about. It's compassion, action, loving people because Christ loved you. Loving people because Christ loved you. So again, these are works of faith, not works of the law. We learn from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. The stories there are amazing. We learn so much from the Old Testament. Today, you and I live in the New Testament. It's where we live. There's nobody says it better than Pastor Robbie. He says, read the New Testament, do what it says. It's pretty simple. Like, that's the time that we live in. And so then the second step, here we go, to greater faith is act on it. Engage with God, do something. But don't do to do because that's disconnected from your heart and your relationship with God, okay? If you want to build your faith, if you would say, help me in my unbelief, get some motion. Move your feet. It has to go from your head to what you believe in your head to a belief in your heart to an action in your feet, right? It has to do that. And a lot of times, you know, there's this thing going on with emotional health right now, and we got to get our head knowledge into our heart, and that's all amazing. But head knowledge and heart knowledge sitting on the couch are the same. That belief is the same until I get up and do something with what I've been taught, right? Isn't that why we all go to school? That's why God left us the Bible. And so then, here's a little clarity. You don't get saved because you do something. You do something because you get saved. You don't get saved to do something. You don't call on Jesus so you can go to work for him. Okay? That's not it. 
That's not it. You do something because you got saved. Faith in action. It's compassion in action. And so then if you want to build your faith, here's a couple steps you can take. Start reading the Bible. You want to build your faith. You want to have greater faith. Start reading the Bible. Worship. Increase your prayer life. If you're praying two minutes a day, try two and a half. Here's the thing. God will spark something in you to move you forward. You will grow. You will grow and you will go if you'll engage. And so then greater faith, worship. Worship. Sing, so serve, tithe, jump on a team, get plugged in, gather with people, right? Be an example, that's it. Because your faith doesn't grow from doing nothing, greater faith comes from doing something. It's engaging with God. True faith is works. True faith is works. And so an example of putting your faith to action is this. You've all been to the grocery store. The grocery store now, they have the coolers that are on light sensors and they're dark, especially if you go and I go. I love running errands for... Heather, like one, two in the morning, not a soul. I got the self-check all to myself. There's only two checkers working anyways, right? And so you can actually get to them at, at two in the morning. And so, um, so when you walk down the aisle of the, of the frozen section or whatever you're there, the lights in the cooler are off. There's nothing wrong with the power. There's nothing wrong with the power, but the light is off. What turns that light on is motion. It's action. I must open that door to see the light come on. It's the same with our faith. Our faith without works, our faith without motion is dark. And I don't know what grocery store you guys shop at, but they're charging us for bags now. They got light sensors on, okay? And we're out of cilantro, and it's driving me nuts, okay? <laughs> Who's providing the cilantro in this town? Get them, get them on the phone. And so then, your faith is the same. Without motion, it's dark. It's not that it's not there. It's there. It's there. As soon as you open that door, the light comes on. What is that? Action. It's the same. Without action, motion, there is no light. It's the same with your faith. Without action, it's dark. Faith without works is dead. So then, the second step to greater faith is action. Everybody say action. action. All right, I'm going to give you the third step first, and then we're going to close. You guys ready? Somebody say yes. yes. Think a little bigger. Think a little bigger. Just, just a little bigger. Matthew 17, 20 says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed. How many of you guys know this scripture? Let me see your hand. This is, our, this is our problem as human beings, okay? We know this. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and be, and it will move. It's gonna move, okay? And nothing will be impossible for you. Now, here's the deal. Don't get too literal here. I'm not gonna go out here and go to a horse and say, hey, horse tooth. It's not gonna happen. Why? God put it there and he don't make mistakes, okay? He's not talking about those mountains, He's talking about the mountains in your life. I had so many conversations with pastors this week about the mountains that they're facing. Pastors from really big churches who are facing just dumb problems. And it looks like an insurmountable mountain to overcome. We all face those same mountains, okay? And so then, don't get confused and going, man, you know, I've been, I've been going to horse tooth for 63 years now, and I've been telling this here mountain to move, and it just ain't moving. That's not it. That's not it. So then thinking bigger... Here's what thinking bigger does. It allows you to remove the limits that you and other people have put on yourself. And what happens with that is God's allowed to move in your life. God's allowed to move your life. And so then, God will move in your behalf. Here's a quick question. If you had no limits on your life, if there was nothing that you said, well, if this would just happen, or if they'd shut up, or if they'd stop, or if he'd do this, or if, well, I, if you, if you had no limitations, what mountains in your life could be moved right now. Don't tell me the answer. Write it down. 
what would move right now if there were no limitations? What things could you see yourself doing or getting done if the sky was really the limit? If we really believed and had the faith that God is who he says he is. And so when you think about this question, not much comes to mind at the very beginning. But the more that you sit in it, and the more that you kind of let it marinate, the more will come to your mind. You'll go, oh, wow, well, this could happen. And that's all God ever wants is one step. That's all he ever wants is one step. And so you'll see the possibilities if you actually think on that question. Here's the two things that limit you. You ready? You. You're both of them. And I'll give you some A and B on that, okay? <laughs> One, <laughs> what limits you is your thinking. It's your thinking. If all you think about is yourself and poor me, and you wallow in pity and you sit in the fetal position, not much good's gonna happen in your life, right? So if all you think about is you, how will reaching others be possible? How will showing others who Jesus is? And then this, the other people who see you like that, they're like, I ain't believing in that, Jesus, look at you. You're sniffling and whining, like, can't do that, right? I put myself together, right? So then your faith doesn't grow in a pity party or a dream session. It grows with action. It grows with action. Thinking bigger means, means being an example, being a light to people around you. The second thing that gets you is fear. Fear. I stink. I'll never be good enough, right? If all you think about is past disappointments, what happens with those past disappointments is they flood your heart. And you want to live in those regrets and you want to keep focusing in the rearview mirror and look at all the things that you did that, that were wrong and that stunk and that weren't good enough. And what happens is, is those emotions flood your mind and your heart and they cram you into a corner and you feel like you can't move. But just to lighten it up, nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> right? Don't let the devil... Still the last dance of the season, if you don't know that movie. I'm just telling you, okay? Don't let the devil take the last dance of the season. Walk in and say, hey, we're doing this, and we're doing it my way, right? Because God's with me, and if he's with me, nothing can be against me, right? You guys know that. And so then don't limit yourself by small thinking and what ifs because God's not in that. Matter of fact, Ephesians 3.20 says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Or you can sit in the corner with the sniffles. Okay? Dang. God wants to do great things in you. He wants to do great things through you. He believes in you. He believes in you. It's why he called you into existence. He's why he created you. It's why he formed you. It's why he knows you by name. And even if you might be losing your hair, he knows everyone that's still there. He knows them all. And so do you believe that? That's where you gotta get to, get back to one. Do I believe this enough to let it change my life? What God says in Ephesians 3.20 is, he can do far more than you can imagine. So stop, don't, don't let your imagination die because of, oh, well. God doesn't work in you by the way or through you by pushing you around or making you conform to something that you're not, okay? He does it by working within you. It's in you, it's in you, it's in you, and it comes through you, right? This is the action of faith. And so what you do happens by God working within you. The fruit you bear is because of your connection to God. It's not the angle you work. And so it may not look like it. 
and you may not feel like it, but God wants to do something great in you today. But it's gonna take greater faith in you to see it happen, to see it come to fruition. And this is why God's, God's brought you here today. There's so many new faces here today and I'm so glad that you guys are here, all of you. It's amazing, thank you. In that, you're here intentionally, all of you. And God wants to say, hey, this is for you. Now, now here's what you wanna do, not me, not me, pastor. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I'm not good enough. And I'm just gonna tell you something. You can play that card. I'm gonna challenge you right now as your pastor. It's not that good. You don't know where I'm from. And there's something we used to say in coaching that, that, that Jesus overcomes, this. When your best is not good enough, who makes up the difference? And we're counting on kids to eat right, and train right, and condition, and, and get sleep, and come in ready, and watch film, and all this other stuff. But when you don't prepare well, and your best is only 60, who makes up the difference? And if the guy next to you has only done the same as you, we're in bad shape come game day. Now the reality is this, God makes up the difference for you because he is with you. And so you don't do this alone. And so you say, Dusty, my best right now is, is all I have to give and, and where I'm at in my faith is only 60%. God wants to make up the other 40. The question is this, will you let God make up the difference? Will you believe God enough to let him make up the difference? because that's what he's here for. He's here to keep you at 100. 100. Here's why we wrestle with this. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are adequate in ourselves. So I have to consider, so before I finish this, if you would say, I'm in a place where I don't feel I'm 100 and I'm only 80, 60, 40, that's okay. You have to believe enough to let God make up the difference because unlike sports, God does in life. And so not that we're adequate in ourselves so as to consider anything as having come from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, good enough because of him. And so our adequacy is, is from God, not from, not from me, not from me. Yes, God can move mountains, but he would rather move mountains through you so he gets some credit. He would. And so God's gonna make you adequate regardless of how you see yourself or where you put yourself on that scale. That's why I do this. If you'd say you're 60, I just want to see you 61 when you walk out that door today. I'm not the guy that goes, oh, you're 60 today, you better be 100 tomorrow or the devil's just gonna come right back and get you, okay? Remember this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, a mustard seed is about the size of a, of a, of a little bitty bee right away. It says nothing will be impossible for you if you have faith this big. Think a little bigger, just think a little bit bigger. If you do, it means you will overcome. You will overcome, but you need him and you need a greater faith. You gotta have more belief, right? And so the challenge that we have in this message in greater faith is the same that the disciples had those 40 days that Jesus was on earth with them or before that. Lack of action, lack of action. And so we look at the mountain in front of us and it's big, right? And I don't know what you're carrying today, but God does, he does. And we look at the mountain in front of us and we think that we need to have enough faith to move that mountain. Like I have to have everything together to get that from below the surface, right? Because it's rooted in something to get all that and move that. And we think we need all the faith in the world. And because we don't believe that we do have all the faith for the things that we see, it paralyzes us. And it shoves us over in that corner. And we think, right? You're welcome. I'm on fire. 
okay? But Jesus said, but Jesus said, if you wanna move mountains, stop measuring the size of your faith to the size of the mountain. Stop. There's a great video out, great meme on that. Stop it. Jesus is saying, focus on me. Put your faith and your trust in me. I'm the one with the power to move every mountain in your life. Stop carrying it. Just putting more weight on yourself, man. Just trudging through life. The reality is this, your faith is not in your faith. Your faith is not in your faith. In your capability, your faith is in your God. If my faith is in me, we're in trouble, guys. Everybody's in trouble. Your faith is not your faith, it's in your God. If your faith is like the mustard seed, the mountain will move, okay? Because God gets the credit. And then more people come because they saw, because they saw. And so then your belief is at the root of that movement, of whatever it is. And so not your agenda. It's not your agenda, it's your belief. And so what's required to move a mountainside of faith is a mustard seed. So then it's not about how big your faith is, it's about how big your God is. Set your eyes on me, set your eyes off yourself, right? The Bible says, if, I grew up in a house where, where this is the phrase, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, okay? If you have the faith, if, 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 it's capital IF too, by the way, if you believe, if you believe, to put this in perspective, Here's a slide. This is a mustard seed on, on your right. It's so tiny. It's the size of a BB. If you look at it, it's tiny. If you have this size of faith, look how small the thing is. You can't even see it, right? Jesus says that the seed is not minimized in its potential, even though it's small in size. When it's planted, this is what it looks like. Now that tree can get up to 30 feet tall. The average is 20 feet tall by 20 feet wide. So you've got an average tree here. To put it in perspective, I put some sweet old people there, probably from uh, Ireland or Scotland or something, because this looks very rocky, and, and I ripped it off the internet, okay? But you can see. And so then, that tree came from that seed, and that's all God's saying, is if you have this, you can experience this in your life. If you have that, you can move that, because you are that, you have that, right? And so then, if we can have a mustard seed of faith in God, it unleashes this huge potential, which is seemingly limitless, guys. When we have our faith, when we have greater faith in God, it'll move the mountains in your life. When you have the mustard seed of faith, you give God room to be God in your life. And it's not an agenda, it's a belief. So here are your three steps to greater faith. One, believe enough to let the gospel change your life. Believe enough. Jesus dies, raised again, he has to hang 40 to teach the guys who he was just in person with. How much harder do we have it 2,000 years later, right? Believe enough to let the gospel change your life. You're either going to or you're not. There's no gray. Jesus said, be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm, it's not the place you wanna be, okay? Your future doesn't look bright. Number two, believe enough to take action. Believe enough to take action. Faith is the fruit. The fruit of faith is, is in works. Everybody say works. And then believe enough to change your thought process. Believe a little bit bigger. Believe a little bit bigger. If you'll do this, God is gonna have the room to work in your life. Your faith is going to grow. The action steps I told you, you said, help me in my unbelief. 
If that's what, if, that, if you would come in and say that today, I could believe better, engage with God. Read your Bible, open that Bible up. If you don't know where to start, start in Matthew. If you would say, that's great, I'm more of a type A guy, go to Proverbs, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. Start reading your Bible, try to pray, start praying. As I talk to God and pray all day long about all kinds of dumb stuff. He's my best friend, he has to be. If I wanna do this and deal with what we have to deal with here in this city, I've gotta be connected to God, I have to be. And now listen, I don't work where you work, so I don't even know the drama that happens there, okay? You've gotta be connected, you've gotta be connected. In John 15 it says, apart from me, you'll do nothing. Disconnected from me, you'll do nothing. So don't go out this week disconnected from God, unplugged, not reading the Bible, not praying, not worshiping, not reflecting, journaling, not taking any part in any kind of spiritual discipline. Don't go out this week and not do anything. Go, God, why aren't you helping me? Because it's hard. God's saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm ready. I'm ready, boss. Just here the whole time. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.